I think we should all do the intro together at the same time, synchronized. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I think that's actually a pretty good idea. That like would it. that would be kind of cool. All right, I'd be down. I mean, we can always do it again if it just is like absolute disasters. Yeah. Just be like, guys, gals, <laughs> non-binary <laughs> pals. Matt hates the idea. <laughs> guys, gals, non-binary pals. This is Catch Co-op, and then we go uh, end of the year podcast. <laughs> uh, why not? Welcome. Guys, guys, guys. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Couch Co-op, and that's about as good as my uh, teammates are at video games. I, it's a carry job. What can I say? Um, and welcome to our book club on video games. Today is a very special episode. I am pumped because today we're doing my favorite topic: top five. Uh, top five. This is something. Something I've been looking forward to all year. Uh, we're going to go over our best five games. I do want to let our audience know so that they are not misled. This is not the top five games of the year. It is the top five games that we played this year. Uh, and that's a distinct difference because all of us uh, kind of venture back uh, quite a bit in our in our gaming uh, and what we play. So you'll, you'll definitely notice some titles from previous years um, jumping into our top five. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about the the best that we all experienced this year, guys. Uh, Plum, you want to uh, start us off with your number five game of the year? Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, this game for a lot of different people and a lot of different um, businesses that report on video games have this list as number one. Uh, Deathloop is my number five game of the year that I played this year. Um PS5 exclusive from Bethesda Arcane Studios. Um, I think we all know pretty well, you know, what a lot of people think about that game. It's one game of the year for multiple publications. Um, and well, uh, compared to the other games I played this year, I got it at number five, which out of the 22 games I played this year, or at least started, um, this one made it there. And I think it's a fabulous game. Yeah, um, I had the pleasure of playing that alongside you um, over the mic on many nights and got to experience a lot of the highs and lows. Um, can't say I have the same um, level of love for that for that game. Uh, it narrowly beat out Enter the Gungeon for my number 10 video game of the year. Um, but I did have a lot of fun with it and... It was just a solid experience, um, a lot of gameplay, a lot of loops, I should say, and um, just really creative, great visuals. Uh, I, th I think my favorite aspect was was the uh, action, though, um, and uh, just just getting real comfortable with some really cool guns and, and uh, going to going to town. Uh, maybe this is how we get Jack into it, but that's the game that. It, we just got to let trickle it in slowly. <laughs> well, you got to get him an Xbox moving forward, too. That's the other factor. All right. Uh, I guess I'll pick it up from here. My number five is an older game, but uh, I had the privilege of playing Slay the Spire uh, this calendar year. 
And that definitely had to make my list because that was fantastic experience. Um, thematically, I think the concept of just a great engine is so at play with this one where it's like, it's so easy. I can totally understand how Jack, uh, for lack of a better term, gets stuck into these loops of going back to this game just because it really is just so what you want, especially if you do have a limited amount of time to dedicate to a game where you don't really want to focus on a storyline. You don't really want to get stuck in cutscenes. You just want to jump right in the action and you want it to be an engine that every time is going to give you a unique experience. And I think this one hits all the bases in that category. So fantastic engine. I could play that game to death uh, still to this day. Um, I hit a wall in terms of my ability to continue to go back to it, but I know for certain if I had a free afternoon and that was the only game available to me, I would have no problem playing that for hours on end. Yeah, actually, uh, I picked the game up um, lately and I've been going through and just playing each character and trying to get through Ascension too. Um, still haven't gone after a heart, but I, I think I might break it down to one and go after a heart with a few of them. Uh, Jack has been a huge influence in the resurgence for the game for me. Uh, <clears throat> we've been either streaming the game and someone watching it or vice versa. So, you know, Jack's really been kind of mentoring me through his thought process, which has been hilarious because there's a five second gap between what I do and what he sees. So there's been many times where it's like, so this is what you want. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. That, that works, I guess. Um, we, we need some more cards of this type really quick. <laughs> or he's like, yeah, don't do that. Or, you know, there's been times where I set it up and then, you know, to exactly what Jack is thinking, you know, and you'll hear the excitement in his voice when he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, good, good job on that one, you know. So, yeah, that game is super fun and just moving through the ascensions really kind of, it doesn't change the game too much, but it adds that level of challenge that uh, makes you want to keep going back for more. And by the way, I fucked up that defect run. Uh, I died pretty promptly after getting to Act 3, so... Well, it's a tricky game. Uh, one that I played on and off literally all year. Um, probably jumped on at, at eight different times over the course of the year. Anytime that I kind of finished up a, a game I was really into and wasn't quite ready to make the full plunge into a new one, uh, the Spire was always there waiting for me. Um, last year, I got to the highest difficulty level with all three characters and, and beat it with all three char main characters. Um, but I wasn't going for the, the uh, extra boss you unlock the heart. And so this year I pretty much made it my mission to do that uh, on the switch. Uh, whereas last year it was on the PlayStation. And so just the other day I got a, a heart kill on uh, Ascension 18. I haven't quite gotten that Ascension 20 heart kill, but uh, I'm, I'm slowly grinding my way up. And um, yeah, I've, I've played some other uh, card games this year. Uh, I picked up uh, Hand of Gilgamesh, uh, the Steam, Wor uh, Steam World universe, and just uh, recently been playing a lot of Monster Train, but none of them uh, just have the same, um, just, the, just the subtle brilliance that is Slay the Spire um, really, really captivates me. And I'm so happy that it made your top five, Matt, because... Um, yeah, it's, it's just a game that really means uh, means a lot to me, and uh, I love that you guys uh, got a lot of appreciation for it. 
Yeah, if that's his number five, I'm really curious to see what the rest of his. <laughs> it's probably not Zombie Army four. Um, so, uh, moving on down the list, uh, my number four is a game that came out um, at the oh, tail. Real end. quick, Dave, I think Jack's yeah. got to do his number five real quick. Oh, well, I won't my take apologies. Um, I, I'm used to going like a certain way. <laughs> Well, I, I won't take too long because uh, my number five game um, in most years, it would not have made my top five. Uh, pretty, pretty soft, uh, pretty soft top five, at least the last last couple this year. But um, but I did really enjoy uh, Astros Playroom this year. Uh, it was basically the intro game they give you for free when you get the PlayStation 5 introduces you to the vibration controller, which is just so ahead of any other controller I've ever had with in terms of sensitivity and tactile um, feeling and just a really fun game. Um, An ode to everything PlayStation, the whole game you're going through and they're just giving nods to this PlayStation exclusive and to different systems and different controllers. And I, I I like, uh, I like bright, fun uh, platformers. So uh, that was a, that was a fun experience and um, that's really about it. Um, it, it was what's fun about that game, and from what I've played, um, the Easter eggs are great. Uh, they have like little set pieces set up with their, you know, uh, their character in-game characters, and uh, you get a chance to figure out what it is you're looking at. You know, so uh, when Jack and I were playing, we we're having some pretty fun. I'd come across the scene and we'd be like, "Oh, that totally looks like Uncharted or, you know, God of War or something like that." So, yeah. Uh, pretty fun game. My apologies, Jack, for trying to skip over you on your most favorite thing in life to do, create lists. Um, I've, I've, been talking st- about, I've been talking about this all week, and my wife, <laughs> she really despises how often I bring up top fives. It's like my... <laughs> so, it's been, a, it's been a fun week. <laughs> well, I'm surprised we're still friends after that, uh, <laughs> that move I almost made. My apologies. Okay. So uh, now on to number four. <laughs> As I was, uh, um, this game came out at the tail end of the PS3's life cycle. Um, and I didn't play this game until this year. And it was really just because um, I had this new system and I knew like this game would run really quick. It's The Last of Us Remastered. Um, that made my number four. Uh, despite the fact that it's not uh, my favorite playing experience. I'm not the biggest into, com- well, you don't have to play it sneaky because eventually there's a point on easy where you get enough weapons and ammo that you can just shoot everything before it gets to you. But um, I think the nature is to play it sneaky, you know, that that's a whole mechanic. And, and it's not my favorite, but it's a testament that how strong the story is and the characters and the writing art that I, I couldn't ignore the fact that despite how old that game is, like it impressed me on an emotional and like, as far as an art and storytelling level, it was super strong. So. I did not expect this to hit your top five. I gotta say uh, you were, you were fairly critical of, of the game throughout and you always, you always showed your respect for it, but I just didn't think you got that much enjoyment out of it. Um, so I'm glad it kind of, uh, had at least some emotional resonance that kind of probably pushed it to, to the point where it's at on your list. Uh, I've, uh, we, we've spoken at length on, on a 
fairly recent podcast about how much we love that game, uh, me and Matt. And I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you've officially added it to your ranks. I was going to say too, like I'm especially uh, intrigued by that based on the fact that you're also kind of currently playing through the second one. So it's impressive to me that uh, the first one still meant so much to you, despite seeing kind of the update, you know, cleaner, faster, better, you know, and arguably overall experience. And yet the first one still resonated enough with you to make your list. So uh, that's very impressive to me. Joel is a beast. And <laughs> I have, I, I, I mean, I, Joel, that relationship is dope. I like the characters are all based in that reality, you know, like, and Joel is, I think overall a good person, but has had to do some really dirty crap and to, to survive. And that's just the way that world is, you know, so Matt. Very much uh, looking forward to talking about that second one with you to see uh, where your thoughts go on that. But uh, moving along, my number four, um, another indie uh, game for me. Uh, and I'll say this with the caveat that I had two indie titles jockeying for this position. And it's it's funny to say that like you get knocked out of the top five if, if you don't make this list. But the purpose is because this this section on my top five was kind of the nostalgia purge of kind of games with old school mechanics that kind of fixed all of the things that bugged me about old games I grew up with. Um, I gave my number four to Hotline Miami 2. I thought the experience of that was just so intense. And the only way you actually complete a level is you just have to get locked in, which is an experience that certain video games may ask of you for like a brief 30 second window. But this asks you for the entire level to really just be completely focused, completely targeted. And the only way that works is if the controls are on par and it keeps you from feeling like you got bullshit deaths left and right. And this is why I was saying this was jockeying with Celeste, which was another fantastic indie title I played. Where in the same sort of vein, it was another game where I died 2000 plus times. And yet I never was irritated by the fact that I felt I got cheesed. Every time I died, I looked at it and it said like, okay, I know where I fucked up and I'm going to go back and I'm going to fix that. And like I said, that's such a purge from old games. Cause when I think back of games, I played on regular Nintendo or in the arcade at times, I always think like, how come I couldn't beat this? It seems so basic, the mechanics, but then you realize like the programming is flawed or just the hit boxes are too wide and you get so many bullshit deaths, so many occasions where you literally did hit the button. Like that, that's the trope I always imagine is the little kid on the couch freaking out, throwing the controller because they're like, I hit the jump button, I hit the jump button and yet I died. I've never felt that once despite dying probably 10,000 times between both games, Hotline Miami 2 and Celeste, um, just because the, the mechanics are so well-crafted in both of them. I give the nod to Hotline Miami 2 only based on the virtue of the fact that I didn't really tap into everything Celeste had to offer. I conquered the mountain and I was good. I didn't want to complete any of the additional tasks. Hotline Miami 2, I beat the whole game, which is more than I think most people will give that game. And, uh, you know, I do have to acknowledge too that the music in that game is damn impressive and incredible. So, um, yeah, hats off to it. I really enjoyed that game through and through. And, yeah, really appreciate catching up on indie title, um, particularly of the 27 games I played through this year. Got to respect the hell out of that pick, Matt, because that is 
a really difficult game that you have got to put the time in. Uh, at the same time, I'm I'm slightly scarred by the fact that it beat out my my love Celeste. The only reason I'm not rocking my Celeste hoodie right now is because it's lost in some laundry pile. But um, but props to you, Matt, for for uh, playing some really challenging games and embracing embracing the uh, depressing <laughs> bitterness that is the ten thousand plus death club. <laughs> All right, Jack, what do you have for us on number four? Well, you you mentioned ten thousand deaths. I guess uh, I got a different a game that. Uh, I, I killed 10,000 dead people and that that's going to be days gone. Um, I am glad that I ignored everything I heard early on about this game, how it was just a retread of, of zombie games that had been done before. Cause I had a completely different experience. And if it wasn't for the fact that this was Matt's number one game of 2020, I don't think I would have given it a chance, even though I was able to pick it up for free, but despite a really rocky start, um, which I had been warned about both through uh, critically uh, as well as, as just from, from everything I'd heard, it was just like push through, push through. And I'm so glad I did because um, really what kind of caught me off guard about Days Gone was how the charisma and how the characters really made you care about their relationships and for a silly game about killing zombies with some really uh just just dopey ideas um all of a sudden you just reeled into the main characters and how uh they play out um I, i'd be just doing the game a disservice if i didn't mention that um they did have one fairly original idea in the form of the hordes which were um i mean i showed i showed dave he came over to my place at one point and i showed him the, the biggest horde in the game where you have hundreds of zombies that you have to dispatch and they're mindless killing machines so that makes them easy to kill but at the same time they're mindless killing machines and they are fast which makes them hard to kill and uh what a rush uh just getting chased by these hundreds and just trying to find ways to dispatch them and not get cornered and um just had an excellent time with that game loved the story loved the relationships and uh loved a lot of the uh, combat aspects um yeah i uh, just just want to give a shout out to matt thank you for uh just the strong recommendation to make me kind of uh, get, get past the doubts and, and, and go for it. Yeah. I'm glad you got something from that one, especially particularly because, you know, so many zombie games are out there now. So it's really, really hard to suggest one, particularly too, when it came out or at least was available readily roughly around the same time. Last of us two was also out there. So it's asking a lot to commit to a long game like that on top of having another one that you definitely going to check off based off your love of the first one. So I'm glad you checked this one out. And yeah, is it on the same level of certain things story-wise? No. Is it, you know, perfect game? No, but the meat and guts of that game, I think are fantastic. And I think it really did a good job of conveying a universe that 
so many mediums have done to death and still kept it refresh fresh enough that it was a fun journey through and through so i'm really glad that you uh, got that much out of it a lot of the storytelling was was a little rough um but the bottom line is i by the time i finished that game um I cared more for those characters than I have for uh, there's, there's only been a few other examples of, of video game characters that I was more invested in. Um, and that's saying something for, a, like I said, a, a dopey game about getting hunted by zombies. Jack, I think you found a thing that like would make any game tick is uh, some incredibly hard obstacle for you to have to like try to overcome that is remotely entertaining to you and a bunch of like rabid zombies chasing after you climbing up over things uh sounds like it would be right up your alley so it's cool you found an open world that didn't bore the hell out of you like all the other ones i tried to push on you so um all right uh we're coming into the top three territory uh i'm pretty sure uh, I almost got to wonder if my number three doesn't line up with at least one of your number threes. And my number three is um, a game where the soundtrack was my number one of the year. That's Hades uh, by Supergiant Studios, which uh, I went through and put all their other games on my wish list. Um, I think I will be picking them up here shortly. But uh, Hades, such a fantastic game, and I was playing it right before we started to, I jumped on at 7.25 thinking it was, we were starting at 7.30 and I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just play some Hades and see what I can do with, you know, a certain aspect. So uh, uh, this game is so good. And I really struggled putting it in my number two spot. It, it, it really was kind of tough because to be honest, I played this game more than I did my number two. Um, but it's number three for a reason and you'll find out why later but um even now playing through it i'm still touching up on storyline additions you know having played a few games you know since we last did our podcast and since i last popped the platinum for it which is usually you know my send-off for a video game and just the fact that i'm still playing it and coming across some new storyline stuff that is relevant for characters is just Makes me want to keep playing it more, to be honest. Um, so, uh, yeah, my number three was Hades. Uh, I'll jump in because my number three was also Hades. And um, we've talked about it so much on this podcast. I, I um, am narcissistic to the point where I actually listen to all of these. And it's probably come up on like six or seven different podcasts at this point in one in one respect or another, whether it's the music, the co-op functionality, um, I'm sorry, not the co-op functionality, but the, the fact that we all played it at the same time. Um, the Anyway, we go on and on, but number three is my... Uh, I, I think it's just a testament to how much respect it gets within the industry too, though. That That's why it's mentioned so much, and especially in a podcast that we started just this year. So, sorry, I, I wanted to throw that thought in. But no, I, that's a great point. And honestly, I should jump in too because uh, I had two titles jockeying for two and three in this seal that I'll make Hades my number three as well. Um, I, I strongly considered putting this as my number one based largely on what you had met, you just said, Jack. The amount of times we discussed this game uh, really, in a lot of ways, like you can make a strong argument, would make it 
the number one game for me for the year. I think thematically, uh, it just was such a wholesome gaming experience for a game where you're fighting to battle your way out of hell <laughs> by violently killing things. But just really the thing that kept me glued to that game was just our little text exchanges through the group chat of just kind of like checking in, seeing where we were at or posting our times or kind of just keeping engaged in that manner. I feel like if I picked up this title without you two guys, uh, I'd probably play through maybe four or five runs of beating Hades and then feel like I got enough out of it to, to call it a day. But um, by virtue of always having you guys kind of pacing me really kept me really motivated to go back to it over and over and over again. I, I think it's an amazing title through and through. Um, I, I really, like I said, could make a strong argument to make it my number one, but we'll keep it at three because like I said, there were two titles and, you know, spoiler alert, but they're both super giant games. So um, that we're battling for the second and third here and I'll give three to Hades. Well, at this point, I'm fairly certain I know what you guys' remaining games are. So I'm very curious to see if there's going to be some surprises or uh, and, and we'll just what in what order they come. So, uh, Dave, uh, why don't you why don't you send us off with, uh, or uh, give us your your second your second pick of the year? Um, oh, man. So this game is a remaster that was crowdfunded for the most part and brought up to uh, the modern console generation from, uh, I believe, the Wii U. And the game is it uh, is The Wonderful 101 by Platinum Games, um, uh, a game that uh, just really helped me through the pandemic, especially at some of the more uh, challenging aspects of it for me. Uh, it's silly, it's bright, it's vibrant, it's got action, adventure, it's got romance, it's got family heartbreak it's got over the top action scenes it's got a great score um it's got replayability i do intend to platinum that um <laughs> as soon as i tackle some other challenges but uh this game shall be done um but yeah uh, i had to put it as my number two and and just really the fact that hades and was wrestling with this really just kind of shows you how much respect i have for uh the wonderful 101 because we've talked about Hades so much, but we've had a couple big splurges of the wonderful one, 101 on this podcast, but not nearly as much airtime as number three did. So yeah, that's my number two. Great game, so much fun, so different, a puzzle. I mean, it's just so many different things rolled up into a ball of wonderful. Right on, well said. Uh, my number two, um, as I said, was a super giant title and I'm going to give it to Pyre. Uh, I have talked about this one to death, so I won't go too far into it. All I'll say is that it, maybe it's just me and maybe, maybe honestly, it's a result of playing these games during the pandemic, but honestly, something about the gravity of what's at stake in that game. It's not just you. Okay. <laughs> just making sure because i i do wonder because when i try this is a game that you try to pitch to somebody and, and suggest that they play it and it's hard to really convey like the emotional tone and just how invested you get into something it's so simplistic i mean it really is just an exaggerated version of hokra mixed with nba jam and you play it in these brief periods of time but so much is at stake on every time and it's just like I guess this is the best way to explain it would be like the concept of playing with 
some friend you have online who all you know is is their name, like their little avatar or whatever call sign they go by. And you're going to play one round of a game. And if you win, they get a house paid for through and through. <laughs> and if you lose, nothing happens. But you have to live with knowing that you had that opportunity. And that's what's at stake. And that's what this game conveys to me. Granted, they're all NPCs. But I, I mean, there's just something about that. And I think something needs to be said, too, for how amazing it is in this world we're in with video games, where so much of it is trying to create that everlasting gobstopper of how can we add microtransactions? How can we do weekly events, keep you in grain? How can we add updates, DLC, just keep it so you're playing this game nonstop until we create an update two years later? Something about a gaming company that just says, like, here's a one shot experience. There's absolutely zero incentive to play this game once you've beat it once. So there it is. Go for it. The only other game I can think of that really did that really to me masterfully was The Last of Us 2, uh, where it just kind of put something out there. It's like there's not much reason to come back to this. Well, I mean, we're going to add a few things, but really this one time experience is everything. This is your one shot to take it all in. That to me is awesome in this industry. So, uh, yeah, number two, Pyre for me. Well said, Matt. And uh i just want to add my two cents in this is for everything you just said um absolutely true but also at the core of that game is just a really well crafted sport and that they created this sport where you're basically going up against npcs and it still has that level of uh get you pumped up get you energetic the stakes um, all that's built around the fact that the game is fun. The game is well-crafted. It feels balanced. There's different strategies. There's moments where you get excited. And, and that's not something you experience a lot when you're playing sports games against NPCs. Usually when you really get pumped up is, is when you're going up against online, online gaming or like me and you, Matt, all the couch co-op uh, Madden battles we had at one point. RIP Madden. Um, thank you for years of years of entertainment um but yeah the, the the bottom line is is pyre is just a incredibly well-crafted sport uh e-sport if you will and i'm looking forward to hearing dave's opinion when he eventually gets to it yeah well said jack uh thank you for adding to that because that's definitely true and it makes all the the more M rpg elements of the game a lot more i guess I won't say tolerable, but like it just flows together so well because you really do need that chance to breathe when the stakes are that high for each game to kind of take a breath and check in with all the characters and whatnot. And as much as I don't like RPG elements, the fact that they're so meaningful to being able to advance in the game and to be able to conquer those stakes that you were talking about, um, they became important to me, which is very rare. <laughs> um, well, uh for my number two game, I have It Takes Two. Um, a just what a blast of fun. Um, not a long game. Me and my uh, couch co op brother from another mother, Dave, um, jumped into this game. The year prior, we had really enjoyed the heck out of A Way Out, which was uh, Hazel Light Studios' previous game. And going into this, I, I 
I really had expectations that it was going to be better and, and improve upon everything they did. But boy, I did not see it coming for just how beautifully crafted this experience was and what an amazing couch co-op microphone experience this was. <laughs> uh th this is a perfect segue uh that's my number one of the year yeah. it takes two by haze light studios uh i i think it's number one and i won't say that it was the most visually spectacular game uh at some points it was but i would say like there's some other games i probably caught my eye a little bit more but it it, it was the gameplay it was the emotions at stake, the relationships, but also the fact that it requires you to play it with another person. And during the pandemic, this game really, <clears throat> I got excited when Jack was like, yo, man, you ready to play? And honestly, a little bummed out when he was too busy to, to not play, you know, and it was definitely one of those events for me in my life where I looked forward to it, you know, with, you know, I'd wake up and be like, oh yeah, there's a good chance I'm going to play it takes two you know, with Jack. So, you know, it just kind of one of those things where I'd get really, and, you know, I would get excited to play it. And I'll be honest, like, that's probably one of maybe another game that got me to the point this year where I was like, oh man, I can't wait to play this. You know, like, I can't wait to hop on the mic with Jack and then go explore some more of this world with its puzzles and, some of its amazing levels, um, so much fun, so many different set pieces that really like makes it stand out. Uh, wholesome. There's a few times where I got pretty teary eyed because that that girl is she just broke my heart, Jack. I told you a few times. I was like, man, I'm getting I'm getting pretty teary eyed, man. I feel bad for this girl, you know. And uh, you know, there's a few moments. This game has a few other like titles for my top of the year moments so um i won't spoil them but yeah this game was my number one <clears throat> this Dude, game I hope, I hope we're not uh i hope we're not i think uh, well we'll yeah, see yeah, we're, drift, we're drift compatible man you gotta yeah. know like it's shit's uh -huh. gonna happen bro so um but yeah it, it takes two as my number one um i'm so glad that it came out this year um i'm so glad to have played it with jack and i would be down to play it with matt too you know but you know, it's just like one of those things where I really needed it in my life. And it, it was like a really good connection for me. So there's there's so many boxes that this game checks. And we didn't talk about this game a lot this year. I mean, compared to a lot of other games in, in Dave's top five list. But that's because it's really hard to express the couch. Uh, well, I should say the co-op aspects of this game and kind of... Uh, give somebody a real window into what it feels like to play it. All I can say is there are so many different mechanics that it's constantly making you work with your partner to solve mysteries and puzzles. There's so many changes in tone where um, you, you're constantly trying to solve these puzzles together, but then you'll find like a little mini game where you have to compete against each other and, and just to break this, um, to break the atmosphere, and all of a sudden you're doing something as stupid as a as a tug of war where you're hacking a button, which which I think Dave kicked my ass if I remember. 
Um, but there was like 25 different mini games where you fight against each other in that game. And they're all just scattered throughout. Um, they're all really fun. Um, at one point you're going through just a brilliant action set piece where you're getting chased by moles, which was probably my favorite moment of the year. Um, I just, I just remember just being in awe and just so entertained as these moles hunted us down. It was movie wise, even in theaters, I, I don't remember being so enraptured by a scene where I was just, I was just so like entertained by how, but then you go into this diorama and they just have this beautiful landscape where you get to explore like a, um, a attic. village or, or an attic. Um, there's tons of Easter eggs in the game and they're all funny and just quirky. And, um, and yeah, um, can't say enough good things about it. it takes two. I think anybody who has a person in their life who is really um, on the same level of, of video game skills and passion for video games, I think you're really doing yourself a disservice if you don't take that person and, and take this one for a spin. I, I think it's a brilliant game. And um, it was it was my game of the year for a long, a long time. Um, yeah. Uh, Matt, I just want to finish it off with there's a part where player A has to fly a plane and player B goes up on top of this biplane and it turns into a fighting game versus a squirrel that's dressed up like a general and you get to do leg sweeps and blocks and punches and kicks and it, you know what if player a doesn't fly that plane very well everyone's dying so you know it's really kind of taking a fighting game to another level but yeah my number one matt awesome pick um yeah i i haven't gotten to experience that one i play games obviously more solo than you two gentlemen so uh and that's going to be indicative of my top pick um which you know i, I was going to give it to zombie army four because clearly <laughs> you know <laughs> no um i i would say for my top pick for the year um this is an older one but i have to give it to um the horizon zero dawn uh Played through that whole game. I got the platinum on it. Um, I didn't get the super shit bucket platinum of playing it through on New Game Plus. But everything about that game, like, I, I guess I play so many of the AAA titles. And so uh, thematically, it's kind of neat to look at and say, like, okay, I'm seeing the best of the best of the PlayStation 4 has to offer now because we're moving on to the PS5 era, uh, probably beginning now going into 2022. And I have to say, like, this one, just the world they built was just so engrossing. The storyline was way more detailed than it ever needed to be for a game where you're fighting robot dinosaurs. The characters were super engaging. They kept it, you know, RPG elements to a minimum to keep you invested in the action component. Uh, like I said, you do explore pretty much every aspect of that map if you're going for the Platinum and... Again, even though all you're doing is killing robot dinosaurs over and over and over again, it's just endlessly fun, endlessly entertaining. Um, I just think in terms of the AAAs, this is one of the only ones I could see myself considering picking up the sequel to. It's kind of jockeying for position with God of War. Um, but yeah, as we discussed with the Miles Morales podcast, like you kind of reach a wall with some of these engines where you kind of know everything it's going to throw at you. So um, with this one, 
despite it being a pretty repetitive at times, if you are going for the total platinum, um, it, it's still such a unique experience overall. And I think just really represents kind of the best of the best of the system of the PlayStation 4 era. I have that game on my hit list. Um, I, I definitely want to play it before the second one comes out because um, I, I think the second one, it, it just looks super cool. The fact that it's going to take place in a warmer uh, you know, area of that world. Um, yeah. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts too, coming off of all your experience mm -hmm. with Monster Hunter and how it kind of lines up the two, because um, it, it, again, it's, it's not a hundred percent like com comparable, but um, there still is that like element of trying to kind of convey that same sort of scale to a single player game. Well, I played this game a few years back and it really impressed the hell out of me. Um, Dave, you, you said, I, I don't really get into open world games. I don't think that's quite true. This is another example of a game that um, I thought was excellent. Um, I've been recommending it to both of you for, for a few years now. Um, although it, what's funny is I always thought Dave would be the one to really get into it. And, um, thought the story was just, while somewhat generic was just well executed. And I guess maybe that's my feelings for kind of the whole game. Um, there's nothing like super innovative about this game, but everything is just executed really well. The combat's a lot of fun. The story pulls you in, um, and it, it just has a really good pace to it. And one of those games, like, as you get better and better at the combat, it becomes more and more uh, just a good feeling. Um, and uh, I got to say, Matt, you shocked the hell out of me. I thought Wonderful 101 was going to be your number one. So uh, what's, what's funny is um, after all, the, after all the, the crap you guys gave me for not appreciating Wonderful 101 enough, I think it's going to end up on the same place in our, in our top 10 of the year list. Because <laughs> I had it number seven. And uh, yeah, um, that, you just surprised the hell out of me. But um, I really like Horizon Zero Dawn. And um, I'm with you, Matt. I, despite over and over again, having regrets about purchasing these sequels that where the gameplay elements are so similar. I just, I don't think I'm going to have any choice. I, I got to give horizon zero West uh, a spin and I'm not sure what they call it. Anyway, forbidden West, I think. And yeah, I, I think uh, too, from what I understand, there's supposed to be some underwater elements too, which uh, could be pretty awesome new element of gameplay. So uh yeah i i like i said that storyline yeah you're right is ultimately rather generic but there are some twists it takes towards the end particularly if you're going for the platinum that really were way more in depth than i was expecting and it does do the thing too i loved in days gone where uh depending on how much time you invest into it at the very last stage uh you see a lot of the characters you helped along the way return to help you with the final boss fight which I thought is a really, I always am a sucker for that. I, I'm always like pop for the cheap Michael Bay thrill of like everybody assembling at the end for the final goal of taking down the big bad. So uh, something about seeing all these characters you helped on all these fetch quests along the way, kind of appearing and fighting alongside you in the background is just awesome to me. Avengers assemble motherfuckers. Um, you know, I, I, I think my hesitancy with that game was that it might threaten the dominance that Transformers Beast Wars has in my head for 
fantastical dinosaur products. So, I mean, if they don't teach that, uh, man, that's going to shake up my entire life. But so uh, that was our top five, folks. Um, Jack. I, I, uh... Oh, no, Jack. <laughs> I did it again. Oh, man. I did that out, Matt. Dick. I am. I am. Man, I am so sorry. It takes two, right? <laughs> I'm not I'm not drift compatible right now. Uh, oh man. A thousand apologies, Jack. Uh your number one, please. Uh my number one is gonna be The Last of Us Two. Um this game straight up blew me away. And I had so many reservations going into it. I really uh honestly if you'd asked me to to put money on it, I would have put money on the fact that I would have walked away from this game very disappointed. And, uh, and that was not the case. Um, Matt, you very fairly shat on it last year uh, on our end of the year list. Why you, you kind of gave it respect, but you brought up many flaws um, or questionable choices that were made in the game. And I can't argue with you. I think there was, um, well, I'll, I'll just put it with this way. This, this is one of the um, best, this is probably my favorite uh, story driven action game I've ever played. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. The first three hours was probably the best three hours of story driven video games I've ever played. I can't, I can't express how, well-crafted it is how they jump from emotion to emotion but it still feels fluid how they build on they have they have fantastic action set pieces that that move into um completely different areas and territories i've never experienced in terms of emotional uh resonance and gaming and every time i started to hate the game and there was a few times uh, because it is a really challenging game. They really make you um, question the decisions of some of the main characters. But every time it pulled me back with the beautiful world building. And that's really my favorite thing about this game is the world building. Um, you really get pulled into and begin to experience the feelings of what it would be like to live in this world. And I think one of my favorite moments is, um, and, and I won't go too far in because I know Dave's playing this right now, but I really had a lot of anger at Ellie, who was kind of like, she was so cute and fun in the first game. And everything she does in the second game is so angry and negative. And I was getting so frustrated with her. And I didn't, I didn't get it until there was this action scene where they make you basically faced like 20 guys and I kept getting killed over and over again. And I got pushed to the limit where I wanted to kill them so bad. And then it just kind of popped in my head where it's like, Oh, I get her now. <laughs> you just really want to kill these fuckers. <laughs> and that was, that was a moment for me in the game. But um, there was some incredible uh, walking basically walking simulators they they just a, a genre i don't like and i was just absolutely stunned by how beautiful um they were there was horror moments uh 
the dialogue was the most natural I've ever felt in a video game. There were incredibly likable characters that were not the main characters. Um, and I cared about them. Um, by the time it was over, I was just completely enraptured, pulled into this world. And for like two weeks straight, I'd wake up and I'd feel like shit just thinking about all the different stuff in the game. And that's why I give credit to Matt because he was like, yeah, this game was really well made, but all I ever did was feel like shit. Well, I agree with you, Matt, but I just can't, I couldn't get over how incredible this world was they built. And uh, that's why the last of us two is my number one game of the year. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you felt that way, Jack. I, I had a feeling that was going to be your top pick. And um, yeah, I think that our experience playing it through is a little different because I think when I played it, it was pretty shortly after it was released. So I was fighting against the spoilers. So I definitely rushed through it a lot quicker than that game warrants. Like that, that game, I think Plumber's got it right where it's you play it in chunks and kind of absorb everything you've been through, but you don't want to really rush because it's a bit much. I think too, playing it at the onset of the pandemic as well didn't help my uh, attitude towards it because uh, particularly because this was a title that was gifted to me by my brother. And I remember like when I got it from him was like after having not seen him for months because we've been quarantining and, and it was like, he basically just kind of like left it like on my doorstep. Like, so just like that whole experience of being in this very isolating, very depressing world and then playing a game that is just the ultimate gut punch on top of that. Um, I think that's why, you know, Days Gone resonated with me more last year was just because that game, while it's a similar world, you you do get a lot of like there's hope in that game. Whereas Days Last of Us is about hope, whereas The Last of Us 2 is about uh <laughs> brutal, brutal retaliation. <laughs> well, I, and I was gonna say I cheated and I uh I actually have picked it up. I'm playing through it right now again. And uh, partially in the hopes of uh, rediscovering components of it and seeing if it was going to win out for me for this year, make my top five. And, and personally, I can't do it because um, I, I just feel like, to me, the reason I, I elevate Horizon Zero Dawn is because I feel like in every component, there's gameplay possibility. You're actually playing gameplay. And I agree with everything you say about The Last of Us 2 because you're absolutely right. That world is fucking beautiful like it's absolutely amazing like it's one of the few games where even my like wife will like see it and like be instantly like engrossed by just how beautiful and detailed everything is um but there's something about like you had said the walking sim similar component of it where or the excess of cutscenes that to me at times you know again playing through it the second time so it's not the same gravity but um it, it just started to frustrate me whereas i think for me a video game anytime you can implement gameplay you should like you really shouldn't just rely on that because at that point it becomes more like a movie and i think that the last of us two kind of trended a bit too much more into the movie realm for me than an actual game to for me to elevate but i i agree with everything you said i think it warrants being on a top list i'm glad you got that experience because i know you waited forever to get an opportunity to go back to it after falling you know absolutely loving the first one so i am really excited to talk about with you on a feature podcast when dave finishes it up 
And and maybe what helped me is I did go into the game with such low expectations. Um, I'm I'm really generally not into grindy emotional games. And I, I and and the other thing that it was is I really cared about the the characters from the first game. Um, you know, they've kind of lived in my brain for several years now, to almost to the point where you you know, when you watch something as a kid, you watch a movie as a kid and you build up this, uh, you know, emotional cachet um, towards characters and the payoff of seeing their next step in their journey um, was just, uh, yeah, was just really, it, it was special. It was special. And, and that's not something I say about um, storylines and video games very often. I think that means a lot coming from you too, singing is how you're the only one amongst us who's actually a father as well. And I feel like so much of the emotional resonance of that first game and the second game is that kind of aspect that Dave and I kind of have an idea of what it's supposed to, to entail, but you actually know what it's like. So uh, it, it impresses the hell out of me that they must have touched on certain things that have really helped it resonate with you so well. Well, we're definitely got a Last of Us 2 uh pod coming our way so i'll leave it at that dave do you have any uh thoughts as you're as you're knee deep in it right now and i do mean knee deep in the shit <laughs> yeah i i i am hot on the trails of tommy joel's brother and uh oh can you clarify <laughs> through seattle okay through seattle i i've let's just say i've come across a few people that uh just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time so with a very angry and well-trained person, um, which I thought was really cool. I was like, you know, you, you see a trail of blood and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to fight some minutes. Um, two dudes tied up in a chair that are dead. <laughs> and Ellie knows exactly what happens. Um, two, um, I appreciate the fact that they didn't make the Asian sidekick a chubby dude with a bowl cut. And... He's actually a bit of a badass. Um, he, he might be my favorite character in the game. I'm just I'm just playing it out there right now. Yep. Um, His ex girlfriend is now making out with another woman and getting her pleasure, and he is totally chill about it. Um, like I said, kudos to uh, Naughty Dog for not making him some chubby bitch. So he's just so badass in an effortless way. Like he. he it's just incredible that they pull this character off in a video game. Like you don't, you don't see that in movies hardly ever where somebody just comes off so naturally just a badass, and they pull it off in a freaking video game. I was, he's one of the reasons I love this game. Very small screen time so far. A uh, very big impact. Um, well, most of my favorite characters have small screen time in that game. <laughs> But uh, I'm playing it on chicken shit. So, I mean, for the most part, I come across something. It's not something I can't handle most of the time. I just have to, you know, expend a little bit more ammo or whatever. But I'm usually stocked up on everything enough to be pretty reckless. So it, it, it kind of is like walking simulator. But I'm enjoying it because everything's so detailed. And since I'm such a, a, a crackhead about trying to collect everything I can in an area where I can see it, like, Let's just say there's been a lot of drawers open that had nothing in it. Yeah. Continuing on, on with hey, the first gen. <laughs> so, there are a lot of so annoying. This is like the one like overworld game where they I'm like, do I really <laughs> want to go look in there? <laughs> I was like, it's probably gonna be nothing. 
So, but anyways, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that I was working so much over the last three weeks, um, there's a good chance this game would have been in my top 10, top five, probably top five. I would have had to make some really, really hard calls. So, um, yeah. Right on. Well, that's, that's awesome. I love that we all had a, a different selection for our number one. I was worried that we were all just going to go chalk and go with Hades here, but um, yeah, we ended up with a uh, quite the selection here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it was cool that Hades was a shared number three between Jack and I. And like when I stated yeah. it, it was, I was, yeah, it was <laughs> all three of us. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and I, so. I, I, I was really hoping, Dave, that it takes two would make your top two, and so I'm super stoked that that ended up there. Number one, baby, that yeah. that game is uh, fantastic. I would, I'd love well, to play it again. You it was, know, at some it was point. my number one until The Last of Us Two freaking took me for the roller coaster ride of my video game life. Oh my god, what a freaking! I, I purposely like not talked about it because I didn't want to like give away too much of my feelings towards it but that game took me for a fucking ride i, I had a feeling when you weren't really bringing it up much even though <laughs> i knew you played it, it. And then, all I, and... you know real quick before we go though all i will say and going back to my point is days gone you talk all that shit about that guitar playing sequence but at the very least you have the free will to walk away from it <laughs> so when you play last of us 2 that's a cut scene and that emotional resonance is you putting the controller down and watching them just do their self-serving freaking you know camera uh, angles pan around loved, loved every second of it matt mm-hmm. <laughs> Every damn second of it. I'm liking it too. I'm on the same boat. Uh, just Dina, just staring up. Ellie, just. Oh my t- god! It was it girlfriend. was like straight out of a Netflix show- series. <laughs> it was so bad. No way. She's no. so bad. She does the chord of Joel's song before. Once once she did that, I was hook line sinker. I was done when in that no, no. scene. That's brilliant. That, then it goes into the take optional. on me cover done with the, the wistful time, hipster but... soulful take on oh, take man. on me. Fine and sinker, baby. As soon as she did that chord of Joel's song, I was like, I was near tears. I was just like, oh, they're gonna do she's gonna do it again. And then Dita walks in and she cuts off and and she starts doing a different song and she kills it. It was amazing. Anyway, um, I gotta put the girls down uh 10 minutes. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, that has been our top five for 2021. This has been Couch Co-op. We're still recording. Video game podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year.